Sing Second Sports is a ProVision Advisors production. Let us solve your toughest communication problems and leave your team stronger and more capable for the challenges that lie ahead. Visit www.provisionadvisors.net to learn more. Hey, hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard another great episode of the Sing Second Sports Podcast. I am John Schofield. Joining me this week is Bill Wagner, the Capital Gazette newspaper, and Chris Cervello, who flew into town, like, again, like MacArthur, like waiting ashore in the Philippines, came back to Annapolis to his alma mater to watch his football team take on Delaware, and that result was not exactly what we wanted. Bill Wagner... Eric Catani and Keenan Reynolds will break that down later in this podcast. But for now, we are here to break down what the weekend was, what the week lies ahead, and then a little bit of football breakdown for those of you who are disappointed in what happened. First of all, since we last talked to you, volleyball kicked off their home slate against VCU last Thursday night. They dropped that 3-1. They were hosting during the Kristen Dickman Invitational Um, A variety of very good teams, Uh, Albany, Michigan State. They eventually hosted Michigan State on Friday night. They dropped that one 3-1. Friday was also a very, very tough night for men's and women's soccer. The women going up to St. John's and Queens and dropping a 2-0 decision. OD's guys, you know, right there in the shadow of USS Minneapolis-St. Paul, Um, At Glenn Warner, they dropped a 1-0 decision to uh, Fairleigh Dickinson. So, you know, Friday did not really start well for our sports weekend. And then as we got into Saturday, um, it it really didn't get too much better. Water polo, we, you know, we focused on water polo this weekend, and it was great. Louis Nicolau's guys started off the weekend with a great victory over Biola, which is a very small private school in California. They won 12-7 in an early match that started at 8 a.m. on Saturday. And then later on in the day, they took on Coach Nicolau's former team. Uh, He used to coach the Princeton Tigers. They battled them to a 7-5 defeat. So a one-in-one day for water polo, which was just really a fun time. And I'm going to kick it to Chris Cervello here um, after after my intro to, to talk to him a little bit about what we saw. We've got friends like... Hey, Jason and, and Stevie Salata, shout out to you guys who have played on the water polo team. But we've really had the opportunity in the last couple of weeks to spend a lot of time with these guys. And man, was it fun uh, watching them compete um, out there this weekend. Saturday also saw the volleyball team, the fighting Paco Labradors, break it off on Albany 3-1, kind of reversing that loss curse. And then, hey, Chris Cervello and I were out there to watch men's rugby, the, you know, the fighting boys uh, under Gavin Hickey. Uh, shout out to Chris Hoffman, Chris Cleary, you know, Dan Morris. A bunch of the alumni were out there uh, on Saturday afternoon to watch rugby defeat the Citadel 88-0. Uh, Chris Cervello, just to answer your question, no, it was not one of those 88-point touchdowns uh, because of your uh, rugby acumen. 
Uh, it was just a series of dominating plays by that team. And we're going to talk to Gavin Hickey, hopefully this coming week, about how that went. Uh, as we were recording and kicking it over to the Navy football podcast for their wrap-up, Navy men's soccer, they were up 2-1 with about 20 minutes left. They ended up giving up the equalizer uh, to St. Francis of Brooklyn. They ended up notching that one in with about six minutes left. The final score of that game was 2-2. Finally, water polo this weekend finished it out. They defeated Cal Lutheran 16-11 and then turned around against the number one team in the country, Cal, and dropped it 24-8. 24-8, ladies and gentlemen, might seem like an ass-kicking, but I'm telling you right now, the, the guys who play water polo for Cal are like a bunch of like Hunter Henry or, you know, who, who, who am I, who am I trying to like talk about here? It, you know, a gigantic NFL tight end. There were like 10 of those dudes in the water playing water polo. It was absolutely wild. Um, but shout out to coach Nicolau's guys. They, they split each game wags before we get into football. I'd like to kick it over to you for your evaluation for what happened in all the other Olympic sports this weekend. Well, first and foremost, John, you and Chris were out at rugby. I mean, that score, I'm sorry. That's like playing against air is the Citadel brand new at playing rugby. And I'll just mention some names here. Ben Hall, Lewis Gray, Jack McMahon, William Webb, uh, Vaughn Schmitz, Ronan Krieger, Rata Asio Melabua. Butchered that name, no doubt. But I mean, Navy's running wild. I did see one video clip in which a Navy rugby player just totally outran the Citadel defense and and got the try or whatever they call it when they put the the rugby ball down in the end zone. But what what gives was was Citadel that bad or is Navy that good? So as we were talking to Dan Morris and Chris Cleary on Saturday, and obviously they were disappointed from the football outcome, but as we were talking to them, yes, this has always been a program with elite athletes. And usually you're getting like the Murph McCarthy's, you know, shout out to the head coach of the women's rugby team who were football castoffs and really just wanted to go out and hit somebody and played for the team. But Chris Cleary, the current principal cyber advisor for the Department of the Navy, he was an All-American rugby player. So now that we finally got this at D1 level, um, it was just really refreshing to see them go out there and kick somebody's ass. I don't think anyone at the Citadel is going to say or admit that they're bad at any athletic competition, let alone rugby. But certainly the, uh, the result proves otherwise, right, Wags? Yeah, that's an impressive start. I mean, my goodness. You can't have a more emphatic victory than that. John, we don't want to forget the cross-country. Navy men and women swept the Salisbury Fall Classic in Winter Place Park in Salisbury. Justin Mumford and Jackson Nagayan finished fourth uh, and fifth, respectively, for the men. Um, and then the women also uh, won their meet. Freshman, Sophie Compton, who was the top individual medalist for, for the midshipmen. So I don't want to Leave out the Harriers out there on the cross-country course, John. No, not at all. And, and actually, we do have to uh, talk about one other result. You know, Olivia Foster, you know, the, the new captain of the Navy women's soccer team. Navy women's soccer had kind of fallen on some hard times. They had dropped a couple. They're on this road trip up in the New York tri-state area. 
They play fairly Dickinson. Now, fairly Dickinson, they are a winless team, but still you're on the road. And Olivia Foster, the new captain of the team, notches another goal or second of the season, and they defeat fairly Dickinson 1-0. So Wags, on the other sports front, so yeah, obviously men's and women's soccer, they dropped a couple of in, a couple in a row, but now it looks like both teams are going to reverse those losing streaks. Yeah, but it, it overall was not necessarily the strongest start to the season. Uh, from from your perspective, you know, on the volleyball front, you're, you're hosting great teams like Michigan State from the Big Ten. But in soccer, you know, hey, you're not necessarily facing the toughest of competition. Is this something that we should be concerned about? I don't think so, John. I don't put a lot of stock in these early season non-conference matchups. They're all really tune-ups and trying to get your team right so that when you start conference play, you're, you're in, you know, you know, your, your parts, what you got, your chemistry. I mean, I think all the coaches are tweaking some things. They're testing certain players to see who fits where I, I again, the, they're at Navy, they're, they're prepping for Patriot league play. So if Navy gets into Patriot league play and drops two or three early, then I might be concerned, but no, not, not, I have full faith in Tim O'Donoghue, Karen Gabera, and P- Paco Labrador to make sure that the Navy women's soccer, men's soccer, and volleyball teams will be in good shape come Patriot League play. So, Chris Cervello, over to you really quick, because you and I went into Lejeune a little bit this weekend to watch uh, water polo. Yeah, from your perspective, again, I, I love this sport. We're talking about a couple of guys, Graham Lindner and Peter Hillen, who I believe right now are one and two in order of merit in their entire class. Okay, so you're talking about some smart dudes, some athletic dudes. But, you know, it it was just really, really fun to watch them this weekend, you know, turn it on, play against a bunch of teams who, again, we'll talk about Delaware and other athletic programs that have fifth-year seniors and graduate transfers and stuff like that you know, luxuries that we can't necessarily enjoy, but particularly in the pool and water polo, you have a lot of internationals and a lot of graduate transfers. It's like men versus boys. And we saw that versus Cal, but from your perspective, man, I had fun watching water polo this weekend. Yeah, it was a great event to be a part of. Kudos to Louis and staff for bringing in that quality of um, competition, you know, this early so that he can get a baseline for where his guys are. I thought they played really well. I mean, you know, they had a couple uh, or they had a victory. Um, they had a, a close match against Princeton, as you mentioned. Um, and, and, you know, they measured themselves against the best in the country, uh, you know, in the likes of Cal. So um, I, I, I think it was a, a successful weekend uh, for uh, the water polo team. Um, uh, you know, I just want to jump on the comment about rugby. I- I'm excited um, for the guys and gals uh, th- this year. It's been a long time coming, as you mentioned. I need to brush up on my rules of rugby. Uh, I can say that as a midshipman, I was mostly interested in going out to Hospital Point and, you, you know, watching people get hit. And so now I need to pay a little bit more attention and, and learn the rules. But, um, you know, they've got a facility over there on Greenberry Point and uh, look forward to following them uh, through the year. Um, you, you know, it, it was a nice bright spot um, given the, you know, the lackluster performance that we saw on Saturday. And I know the guys are going to talk about that in the second half of this pod, but uh, I would say big picture, great to be on the yard, great to see everybody compete. 
Um, I would love to have seen Kenny and, uh, and his squad uh, do a little bit better this weekend, but you know, next weekend Memphis comes into town and uh, we'll, we'll see where we are then. Jump into football. I have to tell everyone that Chris and John were on the yard Friday and took a picture with the one and only David Robinson, the Admiral. He was here for a class reunion and he went over to the yard and John and and uh, Chris spotted him and got a good picture. And he's a lot taller than you guys. No, I mean, he, he was gracious enough to agree to a quick pickup game of one-on-one. I schooled him. Uh, I mean, you know, I, you get two points for every three-pointer one-on-one. But, you know, he, he put up a good fight. But, man, it, it's so nice. You know, and, and you know, I, I love seeing Keenan around the yard. I, I even like seeing Eric Catani around the yard. But every time you have... You know, people around the yard, the distinguished graduates, the current active duty, the mids, it's just great. And David Robinson walked around like he is not the Hall of Fame former center for the San Antonio Spurs. He walked around like he was just a proud member of of a, of the class of 1987. And, and you know what? That's what makes him so great. Now, I'm sure that he did not like what he saw at the football game, along with his fellow class of 87 uh, classmates. And, and we were able to talk to Jeff Webb of the Alumni Association, the CEO of the Alumni Association and Foundation. We talked to him and his director of communications, Wes Huey. You know, it was, it was really wonderful, wonderful to have reunions back, fans back, kids back, taking the, you know, the cardboard boxes down the hill. But I'll tell you what, what they saw on Saturday was not the greatest. And so let's break, break, transition. We've got Eric, you know, when he's not taking pictures with the with the Blue Angels in uh, Cleveland. We've got Keenan Reynolds, who watched it front and center in the press box on Saturday. And we have Bill Wagner. Here is the Navy football podcast. Wags, you wrote a great article this weekend. It was pointed. It was direct. It was right in your face. This was not a good result on Saturday. This was not okay. And in the words of us slows, it was unsat. So why don't you, Keenan and Eric, take it from here and let us know what went wrong. Thanks, John. So we're doing the post-game review, and it's not going to be pretty, fellas. Uh, 14-7 loss to Delaware. The offense didn't show up. You know, uh, three drives that actually had a chance to produce points. One of those came up empty when the backup kicker, which we didn't have any idea that Bijan Nichols, the tri-captain, was not available, that he had a leg injury. I've been seeing him out of practice. Uh, they told me he wasn't kicking much because they wanted to save his leg. I had no idea he would had an injury, but Evan Warren's the backup, and he came on to attempt a 44-yarder, and he missed it. Uh, that was just one of many disappointing elements of the offensive performance. The It all starts – with fumbles, and I'm going to go right to Eric because we were talking about fullbacks on our Navy football preview pod, and Eric mentioned that whenever you have either a new quarterback or new fullbacks, getting the mesh down is always an issue. But you would think that that was all worked out during spring camp and August training camp, that Ty Lavatai and his fullbacks Anton Hall Jr. and Logan Point and Daba Fafana have, I mean, I can't imagine how many mesh practice sessions they had, but very first play of the game. And let me first point out, 
Kenny Amatololo is famous for deferring. He wants, he likes the idea of having the ball to start the second half because they're hoping they score to close out the first half and get the ball right back to start the second half. So it was quite a departure for him to when Navy won the coin toss to elect to receive, showing great confidence as offense. We're going to march downfield, take an early lead on this team. <laughs> that is not what happened. Very first play from scrimmage, Ty puts the ball in the belly of Anton Hall Jr. You know, not sure who was at fault, although I'm guessing Anton Hall Jr. got some blame because he was not out there for the second possession. He got replaced by his backup, Logan Point, who would end up having his own mess problem, which resulted in a fumble. But Eric, right off the bat, you're a fullback, uh, season opener, and there's two fullback quarterback mesh fumbles. What, what do you say? Keenan and I spoke about this, and, you know, as, as well with you earlier, it's, you know, and Schofield said it's unsad, and it is three mesh fumbles, turnovers. It's, uh, it's, it's a killer with the offense, and especially if you listen to Coach Nemon after the press conference, you know, he wanted to start fast, move the ball, you know, no, no, no turnovers, everything like that possible they wanted. But at the same time, is they, they just couldn't really – they couldn't do it, and nothing got going. Defense played phenomenal. Defense kept them in the game. Um, but if Keenan wants to talk about the mesh fumble and, you know, what's going on with the quarterbacks, because, you know, it, to me it looked like Ty was, was trying to pull it uh, when I watched it again. But, you know, as a quarterback, Keenan, do you want to kind of explain to the, the viewers of what that actually means? Yeah, so first of all, I just want to, like, comment on something you just said just now. You were like, the defense kept us in the game. And the fact that we're having that conversation after Delaware is actually kind of crazy. Like, we're not talking about – we didn't play Cincy. We didn't play Notre Dame. We played Delaware at home to open the season. And you just said <laughs> the defense kept us in the game. Like, let's just, like, level set this whole conversation with – that is a very yes. interesting line to say after week one against an FCS team. Now, yep. Uh, yep. to your point about the meshes – so uh, I didn't actually see the 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 first fumble live, but my guess is uh, just talking to people, I think that more than likely it could have been indecision. It could have been I, I think I want to pull it, and I wrote it a little too long, and the, the fullback's trying to clamp, and I'm trying to pull, and then I let go, and then he lets go, and then now the ball's on the ground. So like, there's a little bit of like, there's a technique to it. I know they were in the gun. There's a technique to like the way you mesh and when you're supposed to disengage and when the fullback is supposed to say, this is my ball or when the fullback or when he knows that you're pulling it, you have to be very decisive at quarterback. So there could have been some indecision there. No way to know unless I was able to actually watch the, the all 20, all 22 film. Like that's the best way to see it. Um, the second one, it looked like the, when he brought the ball back, it hit the fullback's top arm. So maybe the top arm was lazy. Um, Cause it looked like it didn't even like, they didn't even get through the mesh clean. Like it didn't look like it a, wasn't. Yeah, he, 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 yeah. he pulled it back just a little bit right then, but that's still that's that's Ty's ball though, right? Yeah. End of the day, that's um, his ball pulling it. Yeah. So you, you 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 so the first play right. I've had that happen to me before where I fumbled the first play, turned the ball over. Um, you can you can always bounce back from that. Defense got a short field penalty, touchdown. Um, but what's inexcusable is when you're getting these drives going right. I believe the second fumble was again in the red zone. Fortunately, defense came away with a stop again. Um, and then the third fumble was a running fumble. And that was while we were driving to go score. And it ended up being a turnover in the red zone again. So 
you turn the ball over three times. We, we struggle to move the ball consistently the entire game. It don't matter if you're playing VMI, Delaware, Ohio State. If you fumble the ball three times in the red zone and you kill yourself on drives, it don't matter who you're playing. You could have had Annapolis High out there and you would have struggled. You know what I'm saying? So I think it was really disappointing to see, like, they've had an entire offseason with a full slate of workouts and a full spring and a full fall camp with an experienced quarterback. Yes, you have new fullbacks. But to Bill's point, you do hundreds of reps. And Coach Nehemiah even talked about it. Like, mesh is like second nature. You know, that's like the first thing we do out of stretch is ball security and then right to mesh. Like, that is – that's like the basics, right? So we couldn't do the basic stuff right as it comes to running the option. And, and when that starts to happen, then you start grasping for straws. As a player, you're trying to figure out how do I make something happen when I can't even do, you know, day one fundamentals right. So it was uh, – the first one it was like okay, but then as it as it continued to happen, it was like okay, this is this doesn't look good at all, um, and it, it was it was concerning to watch. Well, yeah, I mean, he, Coach Nehemiah really, I mean, he he seemed shell shocked. He could not believe what he watched out there. And let's also add that Ty had a fumble on a pitch. Navy got lucky; the ball rolled out of bounds before Delaware could recover it for a fourth loss fumble. But that pitch was poor. And it was two mistakes on that. Slotback didn't have the right spacing, but Ty still threw a terrible pitch. I mean, you don't just toss it back there and presume he's going to be where he is. You got to look. And so, I mean, just option 101 is exactly what Keenan's talking about. You know, and you mentioned about the mesh. Coach said we should be able to do that in our sleep. That's how, you know, often we do that. It's that's second nature. So, the ball, and I think what happened, fellas, is that Coach Nehemiah, I mean, Navy became fairly one-dimensional in the second half. And I think it's because Nehemiah basically had to say, I'm not going to let you all decide whether it's a handoff to the fullback or a keep. I'm just going to call it. and You do what I tell you. This one's a handoff to the fullback. All right, give it to him. No, this one's going to be a keep. Fullback, don't clamp down. So when you get to that point, you're not even running the option anymore. And – so uh, this, this is going to be a long week of practice. So let's move on. And, Eric, I'll go to you first. What, I mean, Ivan Jasper's got his work cut out because he needs to get tie right. And let's just also mention, I think I counted up because I just wrote my article, my follow-up column. I believe uh, something like 54 of 63 uh, running plays were either the fullback or the, or the quarterback. The average yard per carry amongst all those three fullbacks in Ty Lavatai was like two yards a carry. That, that's not triple option football. That's not going to get it done. That's why Navy was in third and long so often yesterday. So Jasper's got to get Ty right. Uh, Jason McDonald, the fullbacks coach, has got to get Anton Hall right because, as Keenan mentioned, Anton fumbled just running up the middle. He either let it get poked out or he dropped it, but it was poor ball security. And guess what? Anton Hall didn't see the field the rest of the day. So McDonald's got his work cut out. And then Keenan and I talked about this. In the end, the big problem was the offensive line got pushed off the ball. The Navy did not control the line of scrimmage up front. And Delaware's not big. I went and looked at their defensive linemen. They run a three-man front. And they had a guy 265, the nose. And they had ends that were 250 and 245, respectively. So it's not like they're playing 315 pounders from Notre Dame or Cincinnati. 
So the offensive line needs work. So let's start with Eric, and then I'll go to Keenan. How do you fix this? And you got to fix it in a hurry because Memphis is coming to Annapolis on Saturday. Yep, uh, completely agree. And Bill, I think you took all my 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 points and statements of just what's offensive line did not look good. Uh, even just first drive, you know, after you know, after you know, the first fumble, the second drive, just the lack not I don't say effort. These guys are always playing well, but just getting taken off the ball and not not giving Ty the the time you need to get that ball to the outside. And <clears throat> the first kind of quarter, they're really kind of hesitant. Uh, I'm not sure if, you know, Kenny is going to say it about Ty as well. But um, I think it's going to be a, if they play like this again, it's going to be a very, very long year for the team, for the podcast of, you know, having the, you know, figure out what's going on with the team and trying to fix them of that nature. But uh, I, I watched the press briefing that, Bill, you asked a question. And the captains, you know, uh, or sorry, um, what number sixty-eight? He was talking about how he, he's not worried about it. He wants to get right back to it. He's like, this is just a, you know, we still have our CIC. We still have our uh, you know, opportunity to win the American. So he seemed optimistic, you know, and he's 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 one that's ringing the bell every day. Yeah, that was Kip Franklin, but he also admitted that the offensive line did not come with the right attitude that they were going to win the line of scrimmage, and I mean, it was quite clear that they knew they'd gotten beat up front. Um, Keenan, you're an offensive coach on this staff. What, what do you do to get things turned around? If they don't run option, triple option well next week, they're going to get killed. Yeah, so I think we got to like um, – I think we could, we could say we, – we say we say about the way that we looked on Saturday offensively. I don't – I'm not ready to ring – ring the panic or press the panic button yet. I'm not ready to count the O out. They did not play well across the board. I think that's very clear. Uh, I think, first of all, I want, I'm, I question if there was a bit of a, of a, a thought process amongst the players of like, we're going to come in here and we're going to roll these guys. And, you know, <laughs> everybody's good. It doesn't matter if it's FCS, FBS. It doesn't matter if you're playing central Iowa, like everybody can play like, um, and we don't, we're not Alabama where we can just show up and beat people because of what's on our Jersey. Right. Like, and that's one thing that coach name I always said is like, we, we're not good enough to just show up. Like we have to execute to beat these teams. And you learn, they learned that lesson very, very tough. And, and, and very early of like, you can't just show up and play. We talked like, we talked about the defense, put a lot of pressure on them. And we almost make it to where they can't make a mistake for us to win the game. And that's not that's not fair to the defense. That's that's not how you win games as a football team. I think what needs to happen is we gotta just go back to square one. I mean, okay, we we need to mesh, we need to figure out who who wants to be here, who wants to play, who's gonna take care of the ball. Because the, the, the saying is when you carry the ball, you carry the brotherhood. So when you put it on the ground, you're letting down not just your teammates, but the brotherhood. So it's like, who wants to uphold the standard that so many men decades before have up, upheld? Um, who wants to, to step into that, that, that line of secession and uphold that standard? So that's what the first question is. You got to have, a, a, there, I'm sure that there's going to be a heart to heart come to Jesus amongst the captains of like, okay, what are we doing guys? Like, well, who do we want to be? Right. So you have that conversation. I think coming in, we're going to see a better team next week just because, 
I think they realize, okay, we have to show up and we have to play hard. And this Memphis team is really good. And they're a lot better than Delaware. And we might catch Memphis having that same kind of thought process about us. Like, oh, these dudes lost to Delaware. Like, we're going to kill them, you know? And we we could get we could kind of catch them slipping. So, like I said, I'm not really ready to hit the panic button. Very disappointed. I have a lot of critique. To, I think there's enough critique to go around. But um, I, I think how they respond on Saturday is going to give us a much more clear view of what to expect this year. Because you got punched in the mouth. You got woke up. Shell shocked. Now it's how do you respond and who shows up Saturday? What team's going to show up on Saturday? That's what I want to know. And it, again, it is disappointing to see, like, and I talked about it last week before the season. It's like, I want to see the offense take the ball and go 75 yards and score a touchdown. And then, like, they did the exact opposite. And Coach Nehemiah talked about it. It's like, you can't start any worse, right? So right now, we can't get any worse, right? We, we, we were rock bottom as far as production on offense and performance on offense. So there should be marketable improvement you know, between last Saturday or yesterday and this coming Saturday against Memphis. Well, Eric mentioned about the defense, quote, keeping Navy in the game, and it's absolutely true. Based on the offensive performance, the turnovers, especially the ones that led to a short field, uh, you know, losing field position because of a couple uh, drives that went nowhere in your own territory, and therefore you're losing the field position battle. So the defense had a goal line stand prevented them from scoring a touchdown. I think they had first and goal from the two-yard line, did not score. Uh, defense with a four-down stand. Uh, there was another turnover where the defense pitched a three and out and forced a field goal, and Delaware missed that field goal. Um, so the defense did stand up, and I want to give Colin Ramos, an inside linebacker who did not start but came off the bench. He led the team with nine tackles, including one for loss, and he had a forced fumble. Yavin Gibbons, a safety, he had eight tackles including two for loss. And then John Marshall, the outside linebacker, who Brian Newberry, defensive coordinator, said he had a, a tremendous August training camp. He had seven tackles, two sacks, three and a half tackles for loss. So defense did its job. This game could have been 35-7. Instead, it was still 7-0 seven, seven late. And like you said, Keenan, the, you, you get to the point where you can't make one mistake, and that's what happened. Uh, cornerback. Elias Larry got beat. It was like a little rollout left, and the quarterback threw across his body because the uh, the wide receiver lost Elias Larry and got open toward the post, and it was a long touchdown pass, and that was really ends up being the game. Now, we should mention Navy had an opportunity to tie this game. Uh, Ty Lavatai threw a long pass to, I believe it was Mikel Haywood on, the, uh, on a, like a wheel route or something. It was along the sideline, and that put Navy – deep in Delaware territory. And, you know, I don't know. I did not like the next two play calls. It was two straight fullback gives that got only one yard apiece and put Navy in third and eight. And they dialed up a good play. It was a little misdirection pass in which they kind of took the play to the right and then Ty stopped and threw back to Mark Walker. And it looked for an instant like he had a clear path to the end zone. I'm like, oh, my God, brilliant call. That's going to score. But this guy... Johnny Buchanan, he he sniffed it out and he tripped up Walker and what could have been a touchdown ended up in only like a four-yard gain. So that led to a fourth and four and they called for a pass into the end zone. It was meant for Mikel Hay with a slot back. Ty actually wound up throwing it at a Delaware defender instead. 
pass break up in the end zone, game over. This Johnny Buchanan guy, Keenan and I talked about this last night. He had 23 tackles. That's crazy. 23 tackles, a forced fumble, and a tackle for loss. And that speaks to the offensive line not getting to the second level. This guy was running around untouched. Now, he's good. He was Delaware's leading tackler last season. Um, but, yeah, defense played well. Um, so I'm going to ask you something. The emails I get in the after a Navy loss like this are so predictable. You know, unimaginative play, unimaginative play calling. You know, when they see all these fullback gives, quarterback keepers, unimaginative. And then, of course, the kicker, why don't we use the slot backs? And Mikel Haywood did have a couple nice runs. But, Keenan, do you want to school the people as to if you're not – Move if you're not making yeah, the defense, if you're not beating them with the fullback pitcher, the quarterback keep, it gets kind of hard to get it out to the perimeter. And all, as you pointed out, they weren't blocking the perimeter so great either. Yeah, so uh it's always funny to hear like the <laughs> the emails. I'm sure I just can only imagine the kind of stuff that you've gotten over the last few years. Uh <laughs> That's, so that's kind of funny to hear. But so let's talk about what Delaware was doing that was making it so difficult for us to get in on the perimeter. So the way they were lining up, they had two guys responsible for the pitch. So they had their they had a, a dive player, they had a quarterback player, and then they had two safeties, two DBs sprinting to the pitch. Makes it very difficult to block no matter how many people you got. So you're outnumbered. So, you know, even when you do pitch it, there's a free guy. So now it's like, all right, my, my A-back's got to make a guy miss just to get five, four to five yards. We can't cut on a perimeter, so now you got you got to chest up everybody that you're playing against, and they're also coming downhill at you. Whereas the cut block used to kind of neutralize that downhill attack, because now they, they have to keep their head on the swivel because they don't know where the cut block's coming from. But I don't think you can cut on the perimeter anymore. So now they can be more downhill, using their hands and like you know reset the line of scrimmage for that against the a backs or the receivers. So then what what our adjustment was was to bring receivers in tight, which then caused a bit of more of a base look from Delaware. They were doing some funky stuff early on in our different formations, bringing some, some different stunts and different blitzes. So that kind of stuff makes it a lot really difficult to like be super creative on your play calling because you want to make sure that you don't turn the ball over. And, and then you got to also think about we've had three turnovers, you know, in the first half. Now I'm, I'm going to get gun shy as a play caller because three turnovers, what do I do? You know, we, we can't run our base stuff. I got to hand it off. We can't read it because when we read it, we turn it over. But I got to read it because that's my offense. So you, you kind of spinning yourself around trying to figure out how to work around this. So the adjustment they made on a touchdown drop was they brought the receivers in into the the, 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 tight, the tight formation, which then caused Delaware to play a more base look, which then allowed us to run some more stuff and have a cleaner look for guys to just do their jobs. You know, Coach Nehemiah talked about in the press conference, guys started to get a little panicky, started to try to try to ball out, try to do a little extra to make plays. And he was like, no, just do your job, right? So I think when we got into that baser, that more base look, they started doing their jobs. I think going forward, what what we have to improve on is, yes, we have a lot of speed on the outside. How do we get the A's the ball? So that's the first thing. Um, and we can answer, that's a question we need to answer. But when you can't mesh, that just messes everything up, right? So we got to fix the mesh. How do we get the A's the ball? And I think one thing I would like to see is we know Ty's a pretty good thrower. He made some really some really nice throws, um, one of which was dropped and should have been caught uh, by uh, by Kai. But like, uh, you know, 
how do we put that, get that his strength more highlighted? So I'd like to see going forward, maybe some more intermediate level passing. Um, there was a couple of plays where we had some, you know, 12 to 15 yard gains. So that's kind of what I was, uh, that, that would be my feedback of what I'd like to see going forward in the next week. But again, if you don't have, uh, if you can't do your base stuff, then like all the, the sexy stuff and the motions and the shotgun, that's all moot. It doesn't matter because I can't run my, my normal mesh because we can't keep it. We can't keep the ball. Around. Right. And when to that point, the, he only had a one more pitch after the pitch that went for a fumble. So he got gun shy on the pitch too. Cause he's like, all right, well, we tried pitching it and we almost led to another turnover in deep in our own territory. Uh, we're going to wrap up here. So I'm gonna let Eric have the last word, Eric. Fullbacks are absolutely critical in this offense. Uh, the shame of it is there was one series where Anton Hall Jr. did look good running the ball, and we saw that he does have the ability the coaches talked about of being able to really make a cut on a dime within the hole and get some extra yards. So he did run well for a short period that he was in there before they pulled him out because of the fumbles. But So if he wants to keep playing, he's got a ball security has to become foremost and no fumbles. And then I thought the Daba Fafana, the third stringer, played fairly well. Um, that Keenan mentioned when they went to the double flex uh, look, that's when the Navy scored the touchdown, and they marched down the field with Daba Fafana doing a lot of the damage. So fullbacks, how do you get these fullbacks right? Because this it's going to be a long season if you're afraid to do the mesh, if you're afraid to run triple, and if you're the fullbacks are not you know performing, and definitely if the fullbacks are fumbling. Yep, no, absolutely. But, you know, sorry, the positives. Coach Nehemiah and Coach Jasper have been doing this for a very, very long time, and they get, you know, that fix up fast compared to, you know, other coach, other coaches. Um, but the mesh is, it's, it's as Kenyon said, everybody else is, it's vital. It's what you need. And then it's not even just the quarterback with the feeling. It's a, it's a fullback with his feeling as well. If he's feeling kind of tense and he, he feels it's his fault, then he's not going to clamp, clamp down as much. It's going to go back and forth, so. They just got to trust each other in that. So I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't yet. But like I said before, you know, these guys got to prove me wrong about the, the size and the ability with them. But I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, Memphis. I'll be in town. I'll be flying in town. So if we could see you guys as well and, and Schofield. There were a couple times when our, the Navy pullback got drilled and you noticeably saw them get knocked back a couple yards. So, you know, that is the one problem when you're 205 and you're not 235 like Eric Catani. Instead of you being the pile driver, you're the nail. Um, so we're going to wrap it up. We don't want to get any more negative. It was a bad day all around. Need to flush it. Need to get right offensively and come back and give a better performance against Memphis. So for the Navy football podcast and the postgame report, I'm Bill Wagner. Thank you, Eric Catani and Keenan Reynolds for your expert analysis. And uh, I'm going to throw it back to John to wrap up. All right, Wags, EK, Keenan, I'm telling you, I mean, this is the best evaluation that you're going to get of the results and what they need to do to get better. Guys who have been in the trenches, guys who have walked a mile in those shoes, and who better to moderate it than Bill Wagner with all of his years of covering it with the Capitol. Chris, Wags, EK, Keenan, and I will be back next week, hopefully talking about a bounce-back win. You know, Keenan and EK both said they're not ready to push the panic button. We'll see what happens after Memphis comes in. Tune in next week. 
for now. This is Sing Second Sports. We are out. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of podcast segments.